Thank you, Roy. Well, I'm going to, I got to say, I'm standing here and I'm actually feeling pretty relieved. And I think that's a little bit of an odd thing for someone to stay at the beginning of a message because normally you start to feel relieved uh, at the third quarter mark, right? You get towards the end. Um, and I'm not feeling relieved because uh, a week and a half ago, I had a wisdom tooth pulled out. And about three days ago from here, I was probably struggling to talk for more than 10 minutes. Um, there's wisdom in not doing that just before you have a public message, just FYI. Um, what I'm feeling relieved about is actually that over the last five weeks, Andrew, Susanna, and Roy have taken us through this incredible series called the Imago Day series, which has really perfectly looked at what it means for us to reflect God's heart in our life and to live that out through society. Right? So I'm feeling relieved because that's pretty much missions, which means for me this morning, my job's kind of 90% done. So thank you, Roy. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Susanna. Uh, you've really given us the, the basis of what it means to live missionally. However, there's just one little catch to that. Now, you see, on the job description of a missions pastor here at the Vine, one of the lines that it says there is that I need to be able to assist the Vine congregation to develop a theology of missions, you understanding the why that we, you know, we do what we do. Um, so I know that you guys have been listening over the last five weeks, but in order for Andrew, Carla, and the elders to give me a pass on my appraisal, I need you to demonstrate that to me. Okay, is that all right? Can we do that this morning? And the great thing is that we have live streaming as well. So Carla's listening, and that means that you have to yell a little bit louder just so that she can hear everything you say. And for everybody else in the live stream, you can type the answers into the chat room. Right? So we've got this covered across all those different areas. Now, at the 9.15, we went and did a practice exam before we actually did the, the, the proper exam, right? I don't know whether we need to do this, right? This is the 11 a.m. You've had a couple more hours to wake up. You probably had at least one coffee, if not two. Um, so I think we're going to actually be able to jump straight into this, all right? And the format of this exam is it's a group-based system, right? So for the individual high achievers, you can put your pens down. We're going to do this as a group and we're all going to speak out the answer to these three questions. All right, how does that sound? Are you, is that clear? Yeah. All right, good. So we're going to run through these three questions. And the only thing that's writing on this, just so that you're aware, is not just my appraisal, but if we don't get these questions right, before we leave today, we are doing back-to-back -back the last five messages, just so we can make sure that we understand missions. Okay, so here we go. The questions are going to come up here on the screen. I'm going to read them out, and then we're going to answer them together. All right, so the first question. Imago Dei is one of the key principles which Genesis 1 and 2 establish, and in English, it means we are all made in whose image? Yes, that's good. It needs to be louder next time, though. Remember, we're trying to capture this for the live stream. Question number two, right? Week two, this is what Andrew brought. The restoration of the four relationships which God desires for humanity to be involved in. I'm going to give you the first three. You give me the fourth. God and us, us and ourselves, us and others, and then us and? Perfect. All right. We're down to the last question here. This is a simple one. This is a fill-in-the-blanks question, all right? Two from two. We're going to get the third one really quickly. And what does the Lord require of you? To act, Mercy. to love, Mercy. and to walk Mercy. with your God. Well done. That's it. You guys have done an excellent job. 
So what this practically means is, as you can see, is that not only have we covered missions, um, we're covering missions today, but we've actually had a month of missions, which is uh, for the missions pastor, that's a win. And the beautiful thing about this Imago Day series that we have been exploring over the last five weeks is it really sits at the center of what it means for us to live missionally. Right? Andrew made this comment in one of his messages that Micah 6.8 has made clear the answer to what God requires of us. God asks, all I ask is that you return to how I made you to be, to image me. Do this, and you will reveal to the world around you who I truly am. And in that, you will experience more and more of the kingdom of God. And it's in that reflection which leads us into an understanding of the purpose and the intention that God has for missions in our lives. Right? This series has helped us recognize that we aren't fighting for human concepts of restoration and redemption. Now, we're on the side of the fight that is looking for God's justice and His salvation. And I want to position that really to be exactly what missions is. It's the idea that God's original intention for humanity is that we would be in relationship with Him, with others, and be caretakers of creation. That is what it means that when we say that we are designed to show the world what God is like by ensuring the flourishing of all His creation, both living, human, and nature. And if we see missions from that perspective, there's a couple of threads that I want to pull out from this that will help you understand a little bit more. Right? The first of these is that we see missions as God's intention and purpose. Right? Imago Dei meaning what? Literally in the image of God. He created humanity with a value and a dignity that reflects Him. His intention for us was to exist in the fullness of a relationship with Him and the rest of His creation. The second we pull out from Micah 6.8, right? These are the, the activities that represents missions, the activities that we undertake in partnership with God in achieving that original intention and purpose that He has. Right? It illustrates that missions is representative of our walk with Christ. It brings a sense of what it means for us to help people flourish physically, socially, emotionally, and spiritually. So we do this. We do this by two activities, right? The first of these is evangelism and discipleship. And then the second is caring for the other, the broken, the oppressed, and the vulnerable, right? The intention of both these two actions, right? keep track of this, the intention of these two these actions is to focus on the process of restoring those four relationships that we covered earlier, right? And we see this occur throughout Scripture, you know, we see that we're drawing people into a closer relationship with their creator, uh, or into a relationship with their creator through evangelism, right? We see that through a discipleship tool where we bring people into a deeper meaning of what it means to connect with God and live, uh, with other people around them. And we see that by caring for those who are persecuted, those who are vulnerable, and those who suffer from oppression and injustice through our justice efforts, so if you wanted to distill that, all right, let's just finish off that recap of missions. If you want to distill that into one sentence, this is what it's going to be. Our approach to missions is based on recognizing the intrinsic value and dignity within humanity and God's creation. And we carry the responsibility to partner with Him in His restorative and redemptive work. Right? That, in essence, is what missions is. Right? Last year, 
It took me 25 minutes to do that. Today we've covered off in five. So thank you so much for the Imago Day series because you now completely capture what missions is. And then that's it, right? You literally have everything that you need to now know what missions is and to understand how it applies to our faith and then how we can go and live that out. And the great thing is, you can do that. You can literally take this concept and apply it into any circumstance, into any passion that you have, any calling which you feel like God has put on your heart. And this is perfect for us, right? Because as we explore the river as a church, this is a way that we can start to think about what does it mean for us to be living the church outside of these four walls, right? So for the rest of the time that we have today, given that we already understand this theology of missions, I want to focus on one particular point, and that's the understanding how. How can we practically live out this across our lives, regardless of whether or not I'm a lawyer, a banker, I'm a homemaker, a domestic worker, an asylum seeker, a student, whatever it is, the position that you have, how do we take this knowledge and then apply it in a practical sense to live missionally and then have that feed into the river? right? Does that sound good? There's a practical message, right? All right. So, and I think it's important, right? Because we should really appreciate the need to answer that question. How do we connect the theology with the practice? And I think with the context of mission, for so long, we have fallen into this trap of seeing missions as being a, a separate event, right? We've seen it as a short-term activity, something that we go and do once or twice over, you know, a longer period of time, but we haven't necessarily engaged with missions as clearly as what it means for me to live that out on a daily basis. We haven't engaged with that as that daily expression of our Christian faith or created enough space to engage with it. And there's a danger in that, right? There's a danger in that because that perspective I believe it undermines our ability to actually live out our Christian faith. It limits our perception of how God is calling me to bring transformation into the people around me and then also around our city. So let's explore this. How do we bridge that gap between understanding missions from a theological perspective to incorporating that into our daily uh, daily life, irrespective of our jobs, our, you know, our passions, our interests, our skills. And I want to share that with you through using a very simple framework that we have within all of our missions pathways. These steps are designed to help us journey into the living missionally, how it connects uh, to our faith and the ways that we can respond. So uh, there's going to be a number of you here, but how many of you remember the, the Pathways of Maturity wagon wheel that we had several years ago, right? Quick show of hands. There's a couple of people here. Um, okay, well, if you enjoyed that wagon wheel, you're going to love what we've done, right? Because we've actually created a wagon wheel inside of the wagon wheel, all right? This simple framework that I'm going to introduce you today is going to give you the steps that you need to understand what does it mean for us to live missionally. So let's check this out. I want to introduce to you our Missions Pathway Wagon Wheel. Yeah, a little bit more. I was, I'm more excited about that. <laughs> in, in the next 15 minutes, I actually want to walk through some of these steps with us, right? We're going to explore them in a little bit more and clarify in our minds, what does it mean for us to bridge that gap? So being very practical, applying that theological construct into our practice now, there is a couple of points that I want to note just before we jump into this. The first one is this. 
we need to recognize that we are all on our own individual journey, right? And that journey is shaped by our passions, it's shaped by our experience, it's shaped by our history, right? And all of those different things, they are different, but they also blend into how God uses us, how He calls us into this space. So I don't want you to fall into that trap of thinking about comparison looking at somebody else and the work that they're doing, right? Because all of us are at one point in the journey that God is calling us, okay? That's the first thing. The second thing I want you to do is when I use the term missional engagement or area of interest or issue, whatever it is, I want you to think about what is the passion that God has put on your heart. When you think of missions, when you think about some of the journey and the experiences that you have had, where do you find yourself being pulled back to? What is God putting on your heart? So when we talk about these steps, think about these steps within that context. All right, let's do this. Step number one, committing to prayer, right? Basic, there's no bonus points if you guess this one. Prayer really is at the core of all effective and impactful missions. Right? We can't engage in missional efforts without continually seeking God's heart. And holding that posture of prayer does a couple of things for us. Firstly, it puts us in a place where we can walk humbly before our God and in how we serve others. Finding humility within prayer helps us recognize that we ourselves are not the solution. Right? You and I are not the heroes. We can't solve the problem by our own human efforts is only going to be solved through Christ and Him working through us, right? Prayer is central because it positions us to see that sometimes, sometimes we are actually in the way of the change that we desire to see. And in the same way that the prophet Micah is talking to, to the Israelites, he's also talking to us, right? He's talking to our habits, he's talking to our beliefs, our perspectives, the injustices that we ignore. And prayer Prayer helps assist us in reflecting God's heart across those and identifying where we can be involved, but also where we are the roadblock. How we reflect God's heart is important, right? We need to pray because it is so seductively easy for us to lose the reason why we do what we do, right? When we look at social justice, this is probably one area where we see it so much more. Right? It's so simple for me to lose the fire, the energy, the, motiv uh, the motivation that I have to be reflective of something which society tells me which is right, rather than looking at it from the perspective of what is God saying on this particular issue? What is Scripture leading us to reflect? And prayer helps bring us back. Right? We need to anchor ourselves on what is God's view of justice. It's that foundation, it's the cornerstone, and it's the structure for any of the missional efforts or engagements that you're interested in. So how do we pray, right? I promise practical tips. Here's the first one. The Lord's Prayer, right? We're covering all the classic Christian uh, verses here today. What is the Lord's Prayer? It says, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's the verbal and the intellectual surrendering to God's will that He would lead us to respond in a way that is kingdom-oriented and allow us to see through our own biases and what others tell us is right. right? How we pray also depends on where we are in that journey. Right? We can pray informative uh, prayers where we are asking God to bring us into a space, understand the missional expression that He wants us to live, understand the passion that He's put on our heart, where we feel like God is calling me. 
right? That's one type of prayer. Another type of prayer is more of a directive prayer. As I'm journeying this out, maybe I'm on step three or four or five, whatever it may be. Maybe I'm 10 years into this journey. But as we're praying this out, we can ask God to continually to show me what is it that you want me to be doing? Who should I be partnering with? What issue, specifically issue, are you calling me to engage with? And how do I do that? Right? Prayer covers off these three different areas. It covers off the initial, uh, I guess, posture that we carry. It covers off the way that we can connect with initial or discover what God's calling us into, and then also how we walk that out. All right, step number two. Step number two is this one. It's about becoming learners, or you could probably put it another way if you're familiar with the difference course, being curious, right? When we start to look at the missional issue where you are passionate about, you will probably notice a number of broken and unjust systems, and they are probably best described or best illustrated maybe by the image of a spider's web, right? They are complex, they have a lot of interconnected issues. And frequently, the visible outworking of what we would consider an unjust issue could really just be an expression of a much larger system that exists underneath it. And one of those first steps when we look at this idea of becoming a learner or being curious about it is that it allows us to discover how we live missionally or how we live out the river, and it gives us the opportunity to pause and to reflect on what our area of mission is, but also the position that we hold, right? The voice that we carry, the resources that we have, the privilege that we possess, who we are representative of, and how that inter issue interacts with me, with others, and the broader society, right? And we can only do that, let's, let's be honest, we can only do that by being learners. Because as learners, we can explore how our response will influence different people. We don't get caught up in what is my opinion, what do I believe is the right thing to be doing. Let me tell you the, you know, the story that I have, the narrative that I have. Right? And that's important because we can't be falling into that space when we're engaging with a missional issue where we find ourselves placing our own desires, our own opinions, or our own needs above the other. And that's where it gets difficult, right? Because taking a posture of being a learner often goes against our natural desire. Now, for the majority of us, I'm willing to bet that if you see a need, and you feel like you have the resource to be able to respond to that, what are you going to do? You're going to do something. And we want to do that because we see the need immediately before us, and we think that my engagement with it will bring a solution to it. Right? But very rarely will we take that time to pause, to be intentional, and understand that issue, the circumstance around it, what's going on. Right? Because doing that, doing that doesn't feel good. It feels like I'm you know, holding back. It feels like I'm doing something, I should be doing something when I'm not. So our natural desire is to take action. However, without first setting aside what we currently think in that moment as the solution, or maybe even putting aside what we could describe as a savior mentality, right, we run the risk of jumping into a situation and either hindering the work that other people are doing, or in the worst case, hurting the people that we're wanting to help. So how do we do that? How do we adopt the posture of being a learner? Well, we find the masterclass of this in the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? The first thing that we have to do is understand the context of the issue that we're engaging with. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, we should first recognize this, right? That's title. 
that title is a crazy description, right? Because if you were a Jew, if you were a first century Jew, there was nothing good about a Samaritan, right? The Jews and the Samaritans hated each other, right? This was, we, we have a division in our world, but this was extreme, right? Both the Samaritan and the Jewish religious leaders taught that it was wrong to have any contact or even to, uh, to go and to see people from the other group. No one was allowed into each other's territories. No one was allowed to speak, in summary. So why was there such animosity? Well, the king of Assyria, some seven, 800 years earlier, brought foreigners at one point to settle into Samaria, and some Jews intermarried with them, right? We see that so much in the Old Testament, where God has called the Israelites out to be set apart, to be people of him, right? And the Jews considered the people who went and intermarried with the Samarians as traitors, 600 years later after that, right, not a short-term spat. This is not a family feud. That's close to 20 generations, right? Their hatred for each other was still so strong that religious texts more or less gave uh, freedom for any Jew not to respond, and they didn't even have to do that when it was potentially going to save the life of the Samaritan. So we're talking about extreme hatred. That's an unwavering, resolute, passionate us and them posture. That's the context of what we look at when we think of the Good Samaritan. And when we see then what the lawyer says to Jesus, who is my neighbor then? Who is the neighbor that I am meant to love? We can assume that this posture is not one of him wanting to learn, right? He's not being curious. What he's asking, what he's actually asking is, do we have to love those around us who are dramatically different to me? right? Do I have to love those of a different social class? Do I have to love somebody of a different race? Do I have to love somebody of a different political persuasion? Right? A learner, I would position that a learner doesn't ask these types of questions. They don't start with, how do I do the bare minimum? Or just tell me what you expect of me. Right? Let me give you, I'm going to give you some more practical examples. How are you guys tracking with this? Is this good? All right, let me give you some examples then. How do we be a learner? Well, the first one I hinted in the title, be curious, right? Approach your engagement with whatever your missional area of interest is with a genuine curiosity, which means that we have to then take aside our prejudices. We have to put aside our opinions. We have to put aside our worldview. We have to put aside our experiences, even when we're so confident that we're right. And instead, we listen. Right? We seek to understand the context. We seek to understand the perspectives, the needs of the other person. And we desire to see them in the same way that God sees them. And then finally, Imago Dei, we look to find the connection that we share with them, which leads us in to our next step, exploring the connections. The next step is to understand how our missional interest is interconnected across different people, industries, societies, and perhaps even countries. By intentionally exploring these connections, we will see how simple it is for missions to be part of our daily lives. It also allows us to be positioned to see the underlying issues and how they impact the people that God is calling us to reach out to. Now, admittedly, exploring these connections across you know, our missional area of interest and what we're talking about today is it's rather conceptual right? Uh, but let's bring that into a little bit more context. I want to give you some, a little bit more of a, an actual engagement point. And we jump back into the Good Samaritan as an example of two people who don't explore the connection, 
right? And this is important for us to grasp because these characters are the same actors that you and I will engage with with pretty much any missional expression that we have, right? They're the powerful, they're the resourced, and in some instances, they're the spiritual, right? The priest and the Levite, they both fail to explore their connection. So here it is, the Bible of Good Samaritan. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed on by the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by the other side. Now there's a couple of points here, right? We have somebody who's been beaten up and left on the side of the road. But I want to start with these two points. Both the priest and the Levite in this passage are religious leaders, right? We're connecting back to what Micah 6.8 is talking about here as well, right? They are meant to be the good guys. They're the ones who are meant to be going out and expressing, what does it mean for me to care for the people um, around me? But instead, you know, this is the reason why we get so shocked when we read this passage. Instead, not only do they pass by, but they actually intentionally create distance between them and the person who is in need. Right? And there's probably several reasons why they didn't want to explore that connection. Right? Perhaps they were too busy. Perhaps their religiosity prevented them, right? They, well, they looked at the guy and they're like, well, maybe he's dead. If I touch him, I'm going to be unclean. And then I can't go and do my religious responsibilities. So I, it's better that I keep my distance, right? It's better that I can serve God's house, right? Uh, maybe, maybe they just didn't want to see the need, right? How often do I think I, I can reflect to that one personally? Because if, if I see the need, if I stand next to somebody in there, I see the image of God in them. I see the Imago Dei. And when I see that, I feel. And that makes me want to respond. It makes me feel like I need to respond. Right? So whatever the reason was that these two walked past the person, the, the, I guess what we can see out of this is that they were both internally focused and they failed to see the redemptive role that they could play in that man's life. So how do we practically then explore the connections? Well, there is no set way, but what I want to do is explain to you how we do that within our missions pathways, right? So when we do our next missions pathway, it's coming up in February or January. Um, this is a little bit of an insight for you to get understanding on how we do this, right? The first step is that we learn about the area of interest, right? We look at it from the perspective of what is that God's calling us to do? What is the issue that itself exists? How does it express itself? Who are the people who are involved in it? We want to understand about that topic in and of itself. We then look at it from a theological perspective. Where do we see God's Word speaking on this? How does God see the people in this space? Where is the injustice? What is God's calling for us to do in response? Right? And then we start to look at it from both a, a local connection point, but then we look at it from a, a regional or a global connection point as well. Right? The local is important because that is, ultimately, if we want to start to see missions as something which is a daily expression, local matters because this is where we can have the most impact. This is where we're going to be able to engage with this the most. And then finally, and this is a great way to, to wrap up this idea of what does it mean to explore the connections, we start to plan our response. Right? Understanding once we know what the issue is, once we understand what God's heart for this is, what He's communicating on this particular area, then we are in that space of knowing about that, we know how it exists here in our city, and we know about what does it mean for me to respond. And that, conveniently, is point four, planning our response. Now, as we gain an understanding of these different areas, where God is calling us, our passions, and how our missional engagement can be connected with other people in society, it positions us now to map out our response. Right? Planning our response takes discernment, it takes wisdom, it takes prayer, 
And similar to the other steps, there's a wide variety of ways that we can do this. But what I would suggest is the simplest and probably the most impacting way is to take your experiences, take your skills, take your resources, take the posture, the position that you are standing in right now, and then see how you can apply that to a particular area of interest. Right? So what does this planning look like? Well, I think, to be honest, this point is best illustrated by an example. And I wanted to share one with you. This is coming out of a conversation that I had with a Vine member here. She's a commercial lawyer working in a large global manufacturing company. And we were having a conversation about human trafficking. We were talking about what does it mean for her to engage with this issue. And I left her with two questions at the end of that conversation. The first one was this. Where do you feel like you see human trafficking in your industry? And then the second one is, what do you think your industry could do or you could do in response to that? The next day, right, this is incredible. The next day, to her credit, she sends me this email, which I think is just a perfect example of what it means for us to live missionally. I'm going to read some of that out to you, right? Hi, Nathan. I've done some searches on internal regulations at my workplace today. Right? We actually have a database which consists of a number of sanction lists to refer to in order to prevent trading with suspicious parties. And when I looked at that screening list, I noticed that some were human traffickers from a particular country, which means that any trade that my company does with this, with those listed parties, will be brought to management's attention. However, the issue of human trafficking has not been raised within our company. And the database only includes the parties which have been sanctioned. So only the parties which live on that list, the, the interested, um, or the POI list, right? So at some point in my mind, she, I've got these points I want to raise further. And I just want to pause for a second here. We can already see the process that she's gone through, right? She's learned about the issue. She's starting to explore connections. And now she's planning out her response. Right? A couple of uh, areas which I think I can respond to this. Number one, having a database or a list on human traffickers as the quickest way for frontline salespeople to scan our business partners. Number two, I need to present this to the management level as they are the general managers and CEOs who have the final uh, option, the final decision. And then number three, let's, as, as a database would not be always up to date, our frontline salespersons need to understand the issue of human trafficking and how to identify that in potential business partners who may be involved in that. Right. So this, this example, I, I mean, I was impressed when I read that the next day. This really is such incredible uh, illustration of what it means for somebody who has gone through this journey to understand about an issue, to be moved by God to respond. And then sitting her in her capacity, using her professional skills in that environment, she's able to find a way that she can respond. And I think that process that our friend went through here is the same one that you and I can take. Right? Once we understand the calling that we have as believers, you know, once we connect that with an understanding of an issue, you know, we discover the connections that I have with the other people. All I need to do is identify those simple steps that will empower me to live that out. And I think that, from a missions perspective, is two things. One is the social justice. But then secondly, it's that evangelism part, right? I don't know about you, one of the questions I often ask is how do I effectively share the gospel with people around me? I wanted to like position this there as an idea. 
if I'm in a workplace environment and I bring this into a, to a space, into a conversation where I want to bring my organization or my company into a space which more closely reflects the call that God has um, on us as Christians, what an incredible evangelistic tool for me to share, right? This is literally the reason why I do what I do. This is why I want to see people freed. This is why I want to see the oppressed bring out of their slavery. It's because of my faith. It's because my God has instilled the same value that I have as what I see in you. That is such a powerful tool. Which brings us into our final step. All right, you've got to keep tracking with me. This. this is the last one. And this is action. Our final step is this. The Samaritan in the parable of the Good Samaritan tells a different story to what the priest and the Levite said. All right? It tells a new story. And for us to live missionally, we need to see through what is broken we need it, and to start joining the shaping of a new story. Right? We started that five weeks ago by recognizing that we are designed to show the world what God is like by illustrating the value in life and working towards the flourishing of all His creation. Right? And we see that the, uh, the Samaritan does exactly this thing. Right? He first saw what happened to the man on the other side of the road. He saw him. His eyes were opened. He took pity on him. His heart was opened. He went to him. Right? He put security, his own personal security and placed it as subordinate to the needs of somebody else. Right? He bandaged his wounds. He brought him to the end. Right? He practically addressed the needs of that person who was on the side of the road. And then the next step, which is goes beyond, this is the step after. Right? The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and says, when I return, I will give you everything that you've spent and then any extra. Right? So, this gives us an understanding. He, he probably gave the two denarii was enough to cover for two to three weeks, right? But then get this. He writes a blank check to the innkeeper. He, an innkeeper who probably wasn't that sympathetic to a Samaritan, right? But in this, in this act, we see a Samaritan who has made the decision that I'm going to love my neighbor, regardless of the cost. From what we read here in this passage, the Samaritan hits four of those five steps, right? He paused to see. He wanted to learn. He saw the connection between himself and the vulnerable. And then he planned out his response and took action. So on this particular Mission Sunday, you may have noticed that apart from the slides that we have before the service and the posters in the stairwell, we haven't placed a lot of focus on our partners, right? And the reality, though, in the last year, we as a church has supported 15 different partners, both individuals and organizations, both here in Hong Kong, but then also globally. But this Mission Sunday, we haven't focused on that. And there's a reason for it. And it's connected to what I mentioned right at the beginning of this message. Right? It's about turning our perception away from what missions has been, you know, seeing it as that external activity that is distant, that is separated from my reality, and instead focusing in on what God is calling me to do. And that is what Missions Pathways is about. That is what missions is about, and that literally is what today is about. Right? There is no shortage of status quos in our world, and unlocking the progress that, requires, that we want to see requires more than us just highlighting the, uh, the small wins or the positives. Right? We need to be able to engage with these status quos and start ushering in shalom, but we can only do that by being active, often doggedly active. Right? We need to be involved and be willing to get involved with asking questions, 
asking questions of our own current understanding on issues, being able to have some of those difficult conversations, even when it's not comfortable, and then being okay to sit in that space. See, our challenge in this sense is that we need to change our diet, right? We need to continue being curious. We need to be learners. We need to be thinkers. We need to be explorers. But we also have to be doers. We need to position ourselves to be actors as well as thinkers. So how do we do this? How do we live missionally and live out the river in this city? Well, the five steps. But the first thing I want you to do is do this. is to take out your phone. Uh, on the screen here behind me is a QR code that literally captures all of the resources that we have collected for Missions Pathways. It has the five steps, the content that we've covered from today, which is a lot of ground. <laughs> I get that. Right? So this is an opportunity for you to refer back to these steps and to apply that back into your daily life. Right? On that same link, we also have the profile of our partners uh, and some of the incredible work that they're doing around here. So you can read about that. You can find out how you can be praying for them, how you can support them. And then lastly, we have two of our resource packs, which we generated for the first two pathways, one on human trafficking and the next one on childhood development with a focus on fostering adoption. All of those resources are there for you to access. Right? But if we were to talk about the second aspect of this, how do we be active? Well, in my experience, I've seen three ways that people have engaged with this missional lifestyle. Right? The first one is to become an advocate or a supporter of people or organizations who are already involved in that area of missions that you're interested in. Right? Engage with them, connect with them, understand what the work that they do and how you can support them, how you can share their low, their, I guess, the work that they're doing to a broader uh, community. The second one is to volunteer, right? I've made this comment a couple of times throughout this message. Your passions, your skills, your resources, your position. Find an opportunity to volunteer that leverages off those areas, just as our lawyer friend did, right? Took her professional skill set and saw what it meant for her to live missionally and then applied that into the workspace. And then the last one is for some of us. It's certainly not for all of us, and by no means is it the biggest calling. The last one is to commit and go, right? That has been my story, right? Somebody who left Australia 10 years ago when I was working in a bank. Uh, I came to Hong Kong. After a little while, I joined a microfinance organization, and then now I'm a pastor at a church, right? For some of us, that missional calling actually is calling us into a space which is of a more significant movement. But I want to emphasize that all of these are valuable and valid expressions. They all look different, because we all have a different journey that God is leading us on. So my final encouragement is this. Be active, but don't do it alone. Michelle and I are here to walk with you and to explore what it means for you to respond missionally. Right? There's going to be moments of success. There's going to be moments of encouragement, but there's going to be moments of intense frustration. And the only way that you can make this sustainable is by building a community around you. So reach out to us, missionsatthevine.org.hk. That's how you contact us. We have, or at least I have, an incredibly high threshold for caffeine. So that means if you want to have one coffee, two coffees, three coffees, it doesn't matter. We would love to be able to walk with you throughout this journey. And what excites me the most about this is as I look out across this room is that I see probably around 300 people who are going to be able to take their missional journey so much further than what any one of us singularly can. 
right? So we're going to do this today. This is how we're going to finish. We're going to create a couple of moments just for us to reflect, reflect upon the wagon wheel and where God is leading us personally, right? For some of us, we're going to be at the initial part. We might be at step one, you know, trying to understand where is it that God's calling me? What is the passion that he's put on my heart? God, where are you leading me into this space? For, our, for some of us, we're already a little bit beyond that point, right? We understand maybe there's a general area or maybe there's a, a, a space where I'm interested. I want to learn a little bit more about that. Pause and to reflect where in that five steps you are and where you can potentially take another, um, the next steps forward as well. But do that from the perspective of where God is calling you. God is calling you to use your passions, use your skill set. Where is He placing you? Where is the Holy Spirit leading you in that? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, so much for the chance that we get to live out missionally with you. Lord, that we see that the Imago Day that we have in ourselves, but we also have in others around you, is directly reflective of your creation, but also that you're calling us in a way that we can respond. So, Father, I pray that you would speak to us today, that you would speak to us so that we would see that reflection, but we would also see where it is that you're calling us out to do. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for today. And the conversation is now yours. Amen.